Hi, welcome to the Subs Bench. I'm Sam, and today I'm joined by my good friend Liam. How you doing? I'm, I'm good. good. Sam, uh, how are you? Today we're going to go straight into the news. Uh, the big story of the week, which will please Liam as a Liverpool fan, is that Liverpool finally won the Premier League title. <sighs> the first, ti- the first league title in yes. 30 years. The first Premier League title. Uh, I'll just let you talk about that for a little bit. I mean, it's you know, you, when you when you talk about you know great football atmospheres around the world, you know, arguably one of the biggest is you know the atmosphere yeah. in Liverpool and for what this means to the fans and that this really has been 30 years in the making and it's built and it's built and it's built and Jurgen Klopp has come in and he's transformed this team and he's reignited that spark in all the fans and it's just it's such a great it's such a great time it really is such a great time it's been 30 years and it's just it, it must you know, be Liverpool such are back a good on top again to be a Liverpool fan right now after like that long long wait and Klopp's come in and transformed the whole club I'm I'm very jealous, um, but uh, yeah, you can't. No one can say that it's not deserved either, because absolutely run away with it this season. And oh no, oh oh no, and I mean, you know, from from the start of the season, from the get go. I mean, it was the same last season. They they just had they just had a couple of slip ups, but from the get go this season, you know, they, they were unstoppable. Yeah, you know, they are absolutely unstoppable, and it was. It was clear even from last season, you know, this season was all gonna, was going to be once again a rematch of the title race between Liverpool and Man City. And I think, you know, Liverpool just got the edge going out of it. But I think Jordan Henderson, you know, was, you know, very, very morally honest um, going throughout the league, talking about, you know, how we need to stay focused and we can't worry about winning the league. Because I think a lot of people got carried away with winning the league and yeah. whatever and... I think the main focus was just getting the results, getting the job done, and then celebrating when the time Klopp's was right. Done an amazing job, and it's what every Tottenham fan wanted Pochettino to do at, um, at Spurs because they came in in similar situations with the club not particularly in a good place. They both got rid of a lot of the no. deadwood and rebuilt the club from the ground up, essentially. And while the difference is, well, mm-hmm. I think they are both very good managers, but one of the main differences is that. Um, the owners at Liverpool truly believed in Klopp. They knew he was the man to take them forward and gave him financial backing as well. Um, that didn't quite happen mm. to Daniel, with Daniel Levy and Mauricio Pochettino. Yeah, it, it, it seemed there was a there was a, fair, a bit more friction between you know Pochettino yeah. and the um, hierarchy of the club. And I and I think I think eventually you've got to you know that eventually it comes to a point. And um, Gary Neville has talked about this countless times. You know after after various football matches, you know you've got to you've got to have a good relationship between the players, the manager, and then the club's yeah, yeah. hierarchy. And it's got to be a it's got to be a fluid you know fluid agreements between all three tiers. And I think if one falls yeah, out of place, exactly. then everything well, yeah, really just crumbles. Is an example of a successful rebuild project, which is something that wasn't accomplished at a place like Spurs, something that probably Arsenal will look to uh, look to do now, whether whether Arteta's the man for the mm. job, we'll, we'll see. But um, yeah, fair play to Liverpool, absolutely deserved it. Um, yeah, yeah um, we'll did, go straight into did. the results from this week then as well. Uh, we had, uh, in English mm-hmm. football, we had a whole week of Premier League and FA Cup football. The week began with uh, Man City demolishing Burnley 5-0. Um, so don't need to talk about too much. That's only just an example of how good Man City can be. Oh yeah, it's phenomenal. Just for... Man City always fascinate me because I always feel they 
they struggle to get hit the ground running, but once they get that first goal, they yeah. can very easily score five. Once they get going on stop when it's, it's so hard to deal with for any any club in the league. Oh um, yeah. On Tuesday, Leicester drew nil nil with Brighton, and Spurs beat West Ham two nil. Uh, Spurs getting their first win of the yes. restart. It wasn't a absolute fantastic, absolutely fantastic Spurs performance, but. But at the it end of the day, it was a clean that sheet is our three points. So. Sheet all season, I think, which is terrible. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, Kane Kane scored. Kane got his goal. He looked absolutely exhausted. He's coming back from. He last football match he played was in uh, early January, uh, before the Premier League restart. Mm. And he worked. He worked his socks off in that game, and eventually got the goal that he deserved. Um, I feel like Spurs need to be a bit better. Like they they set up. They set up well against United. I talked about that on last week's podcast. They set up to defend, um, trying to use United's strengths against them. And then against uh, West Ham, with dominated possession, didn't do a lot with it. But that's the, that's how Mourinho plays. He's always been that kind of... His, let's just say his teams have never really been entertaining. But um, yeah, I think his team, yeah. Spurs, need to step... I, I think as well, a big part of it is is that I think... You know, Pochettino made such a mark on that club, you know, especially after last season, you know, when he got Spurs into the Champions League final. And I still think, I still think a large part of it, Mourinho was still trying yeah. to find his feet. I think particularly at the start of this season, you know, when Pochettino left, he, he had a, a, a string of not too decent results. And I think Mourinho came in and tried to sort of take on what he had, um, what he had built and, you know, had to sort of recondition the players to yeah. his sort of play style, which obviously, you know, Mourinho was very signature, it but works, it's very though. different it, it works. to what Spurs right. were used to. It does work. It does work. You know, it, and as you've seen there with West Ham, it's got yeah. a clean sheet and three points. So you can't um, argue with that. Yeah, I think he just needs a fresh start, a, a few signings. He needs to be financially backed, otherwise he's not going to go anywhere. Um, uh, as we saw with Pochettino. Oh, he does. He does. He, every, yeah. every manager needs, that, needs that a good, strong financial That arguably cost Pochettino back. his job. Because he didn't get the signings that he wanted in time, but um, but uh, no. Yeah, so I give Mourinho some time, and we'll see where it goes from there. Uh, on Wednesday, mm-hmm. we had uh, five matches: uh, Wolves and Everton uh, won one 0 against Bournemouth and Norwich, respectively. Uh, Bournemouth, uh, Bournemouth and Norwich both struggling, both looking like they're going to go down, especially Norwich, bottom of the table. But a uh, bit mm, of a shame because they've exactly. got some talented. In both of those teams, have talented players in their squads who will likely depart if they get relegated. Oh, for, oh, for sure. That's 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 often the same pattern, isn't it? Because a lot of players will, you know, leave when the champ when the team gets relegated because they want to, they want the esteem of Premier League football. And I unfortunately, it is unfortunate with Norwich because you know over the past few years, it's it's been sort of a consistent ping pong effect with Norwich. They've spent so many years down in the Championship and then so many years up in the Premier League, and it's just unfortunate they they can't really find a place yeah. to stick. You know, it's almost like they're too good for the championship, but then no. they're not quite. They've got a lot of Premier talent League. in that squad as well. Like um, uh, Max Evans is probably going to leave, whether they get relegated or not. He's a target of a few top six clubs. Uh, Jamal Lewis, the left back, is good as well. Todd Cantwell, maybe. Uh, Buendia, the manager, Daniel Farker, is good as well. Um, and as for Bournemouth, they've got players like uh, Callum Wilson and Nathan Ake, especially target of top six clubs again. But yeah, it'll be a. Even though Bournemouth aren't in a particularly good place, I think Ake has had a fantastic They haven't haven't played particularly well as a team, but Ake has been impressive for a while, actually. Yeah. 
Um, if we go on to other games on that day, we've got Newcastle drawing 1-1 with Aston Villa. And then United being Manchester United being Sheffield Sheffield United 3-0. Um Anthony Martial scoring a hat trick in that match, which is delighted, which has delighted Manchester United fans. That's what they want to see from from that that match. Oh, it certainly has, yeah. Martial, you know, and I and I think especially with, you know, the the recent signing of a of a Gallo, I think I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, when he um, you know, took on the job, I Unfortunately, you know, Man United have such a legacy that's been left behind with Sir Alex Ferguson and you know with with David Moyes and um, oh the Dutch Dutch lad um, yeah. Louis van Gaal and I, I don't think they've been able to quite find their feet. But I think you know with Martial, with Gallo, with Fernandez, they've got they've got quite a strong build of players. And I think I think with Pogba. I certainly think with Pogba when he wants to play well, yeah, he absolutely. can play very, very well. It's just, it's just a matter of, and you know, unfortunately, you know, when he, whenever you know he um, wants yeah, to play, consistency's been his problem since he's come back to English football, because on his day he's one Definitely. of the best players in the league, arguably top three players in the league when he gets it going. But uh, as you say, he's a good, he's yeah, a good midfielder. As, as you say, he hasn't, he's not always on top form, not nearly enough for a player. Who we know is has 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 the capability to be one of the best in the league, but as we saw when he uh, against Tottenham last week, he came on and completely changed the game because he is that type of player. Mm. Oh, he, he, had, he had a he had a fantastic game, very dominant game, and like like you said, it's not just a question. You know, every every player has sort of a bum game, as it were, where they might you know fall fall short of one game, or you know they might not deliver you know what yeah. the fans might expect of them, or the manager might expect of them. But then there are a lot of instances, I think, with Pogba, where his attitude and yeah. his heart just isn't in the um, right Also place. talk about Sheffield United being on the losing end in that game. They've played four games since the restart, won <sighs> uh, uh, three in the league and one in the FA Cup. They've lost three of those games and drew the first one against Villa. They haven't been as impressive as they were. Obviously, there was like the surprise of the season, like challenging for European places in the league before the restart, but they mm-hmm. haven't looked like the mm-hmm. same side since then. No, I, I, I certainly think. I mean, they're eight is, at the which, minute sorry, in the that league. That's still they're massively overachieving just... for them. Oh, it's oh, it's massively overachieving. But I certainly think that, as you said, since the league is resumed, you know, with their results in both the league and in the FA Cup, that if they continue on this sort of streak, then I think their position could quite yeah. drastically change, and they could end up in the bottom half. They'll the be table. safe from like obviously they're safe from relegation now and everything. But so finishing, even if they do finish in the top half, the uh, bottom half of the table. Excuse me. That's still not terrible for them. They've had a really good season, massively overachieving, and oh yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, feel, I feel like a lot of teams will be feeling like it's a good time to play Sheffield United now, considering they've fallen away. Like before the restart, they weren't a team you'd look forward to playing to because they could always like spring a surprise. They set up well. Chris Wilder's has done a great job mm-hmm. for them, but yeah, I feel like now a lot of teams will be looking to capitalize. It's especially, I think you know the likes of you know maybe a team like you know Arsenal or Tottenham, yeah. you know, could look to. Pick up some easy yeah. points in games like Sheffield. United, um, and then yeah. the final game of that day, Liverpool battered Crystal Palace 4 0. <laughs> um, some ridiculous goals yes. in that game. Trent Alexander Arnold with a great free kick and Fabinho's oh, goal from long range as well. Top class. But I, I think it I think it just wasn't a simple case of, you know, Liverpool battering Crystal Palace 4 0. I think when they played Everton on the weekend at Goodison Park, I think their performance was, yeah, it was questionable to say the least. Klopp's decision to play to play Minamino over Salah and to play Milner in defence it was 
Um, not probably what you would expect, you know, from the first game back for Klopp, but I certainly, and I, and then especially the next day with Man City beating Brighton 5 yeah. as we um, discussed. No, Brighton Burnley, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, I think, certainly think that with Crystal Palace, Klopp definitely wanted to make a point and more so yeah. he needed to make a point. And, you know, that, that, that game it was so, so dominant and so possessive in Liverpool's favour. From from the get go, yeah, Crystal Palace, Palace didn't have a, have a touch in Liverpool's box the entire game, which says it all, really. Um, that yeah, that's that's how champions play, and that's <laughs> yeah, they absolutely dominated that match. And it, and it's and it's a reflection of what the exactly. team are yeah. capable of. Um, question. Next day, we had Burnley beating Watford one 0 pushing Watford further towards the relegation zone. Uh, Arsenal got their first win of the restart away at Southampton, which is something they desperately needed after losing to City. And oh then yes, Brighton. oh yes. And then, in, and then in the um, in the preseason friendly against Burnley, I think it was. Oh, they played. They played. They, they actually played a Brentford in the, from the Championship. Yeah, it's oh, all right. It's and and they lost three two against yeah. the Championship side. Which, which yeah, that's. Um, so there's quite a bit about where they are at the moment. It was, it was, um, it was, it was questionable, and I think especially this year, Arsenal have had a yeah. very questionable. Um, but as, year. as I mentioned, like, it is if they are going to give Arteta time at the club and to actually rebuild, similar to how potentially how to how Klopp did at Liverpool, if they give him that kind of time and money, then I think that it's all right sacrificing a season now if it's building for success in the future. Ten, uh, particularly with developing their younger talent, they've got some good players on the side. Like Bukayo Saka looks really good. Uh, Joe Willock as well, and Ketty has mm-hmm. been getting a lot of game time for them recently. Um, they're not in a good place now, but potentially in a few years we could see them improve. I think I definitely think that, as you mentioned, you know, building upon the younger talent and you know looking towards the youth academy to see what talent can come into the club. I certainly think, and of course, it's important that the manager has the backing with finances and everything, but not to a point where they yeah, start yeah. buying success, if you know what I mean. You know, like, I think I think Klopp is a very good example. You know, undoubtedly, you know, Man City are a very dominant team, a very dominant team, but, uh, you know, Guardia was, was given a lot of money to build that successful team. And with the exception of Van Dijk, who came in um, from Celtic for 75 million, you know, Klopp built that team largely yeah. from peanuts. He did get. He did get. So he wasn't given absolute like billions to spend like uh, Guardiola has been his whole career, which no. is one of the main criticisms no. of Guardiola. Why he's called a checkbook manager and he buys success. But um, he, Klopp was backed as you'd want uh, a manager of a title contending team to be like uh, not like huge expensive signings, but buying good players like Salah and Mane, and um, bought Wijnaldum as well mm. from from Newcastle. It, it it's not just it's he's managed to strike a balance between like developing players like he took a gamble on players like uh, Robertson who wasn't particularly proven neither was Alexander Arnold who came, through, came no. through the academy as well no he did, he didn't have an awful lot of success he didn't have an awful yeah. lot of success at Hull um and i think with all you know he's got um he's got a lot of he got a lot of young talent yeah. in that squad you know with the likes of Robertson with the likes of Alexander Arnold especially and you see that in that even when a lot of the first team may not play Alexander Arnold, so yeah. he'll get some good game time, largely because he's young and he's athletic and he's got he's got the youthful energy. Um, and the final it. game that day, which was the game that sealed the title for Liverpool, was Chelsea beating Manchester City two one. It was a great game. <laughs> I had a lot going on in that game. Um, 
Oh, it was. It was a fantastic. I mean, yeah. Pulisic's goal was was baffling from Man City. Yeah, that was a baffling mistake. I've, I've been quite critical of Christian Pulisic in the past, like I've, because he's uh, he's one of the best American players to be produced in the last few years. I feel I felt like he's a bit overrated because he stands out. He comes from a place which doesn't tend to produce um, loads of great players mm-hmm. in European football, but. Um, He's really impressed me this season, and particularly recently. He's he's yeah, he's and his and his great, goal yeah. in that match was fantastic. Um, questionable from Fernandinho to handball, <laughs> handball the ball on the line, giving away the penalty. Um, when he, did he really need to do it for a player of that experience? It was it was questionable to say the least. And he... I it it certainly was questionable, but I I I think. You you could you know you could I I had a feeling before that game was started you know Man City had put out a weaker team because you could tell they were yeah. prioritizing the FA Cup match on the weekend and I I certainly think that Guardiola had sort of made peace with the fact more than likely his odds of winning the Premier League title yeah. were very very slim and I just think with the team their their hearts weren't in the right place they knew that losing this match or drawing this match they would be giving mm. Liverpool the title. And at the end of the day, you know, Lampard has had a very successful season with Chelsea. You know, the likes of Tammy Abraham, Abraham and Pulisic and whoever else have, you know, have had very good seasons with him. And they've put on some very impressive displays for him. And I think going into that game, Guardiola just yeah. didn't have um, much hope. We talked about Sheffield United overachieving. I think Chelsea are overachieving as well, because on paper, their squad isn't particularly strong. And Lampard, as far as managers go, is somewhat of a rookie going straight to manage Chelsea this early on in his career is a big step and they haven't got that many world-class players in the squad if they've got any at all you could say Golo Kante is as well um, and then like uh, Jorginho and Kovacic are good whether what you describe them as world-class is, is debatable but um, mm-hmm. I think Lampard's done a great job and surpri- surprised, a lot of, surprised a lot of people that is partially as a result as um, oh, I... of other teams underachieving but he's done really well Oh, I I, said, I would certainly agree with you. And I think especially with um, Eden Hazard going yeah. to Real Madrid at the end of last season, um, you know, they won the Europa League and Hazard played a very instrumental role in winning that game for them. And once he left, it was definitely, you know, definitely be debatable what Chelsea would be able to go on and achieve without Hazard in the team who has been there for so many years and had seen so much success with the club. But I think, you know... Under Lampard, I think the team maybe they have maybe they have overachieved. But then I also think, despite being you know a novice in the managerial world, I certainly think um, Lampard has put on a, you know quite a few yeah. impressive displays with his team. And I think as well, he's got a lot of charisma and he's got a lot of heart at that club. You know, he was a Chelsea player for many many years. Um, and I, I I think you know his heart is in the right place. And I I certainly think if you've got a manager no matter what team you've got, if they can gel with yeah. the team really, really well, then I think the success will come quite yeah. easily. It's Chelsea, not that like Chelsea as a club are overachieving, because that's where you'd expect them to be, like top four regulars. But mm. Lampard, no one, a lot, of, a lot of people had written off Lampard and Chelsea at the start of the season. So to be in the position that they are now, he is doing well. Um, oh, for sure. There were no sure. games on Friday, so on Saturday, uh, we saw Wolves beat Aston Villa. And we saw in the FA Cup, we saw Manchester United scrape past Norwich, uh, Harry Maguire scoring the winner in extra time. 
Uh, I felt bad. I felt bad for Norwich. Yes. They clearly set up to defend, especially when they they got they got a red card late on in the game. Yeah. In the 89th was... minute, yeah. <laughs> but then they cl- uh, they clung on for a while, set up to defend, trying to get to penalties, but it wasn't to be in Maguire with the winner there. Oh, for sure. And I, I, I certainly think, you know, I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, because with Manchester United, I think their success is a bit like a ping pong, ping pong, ping pong machine. And I think, you know, it, like I said, with the introduction of a Gallo in January, I think the Ross are more looking on the app now. But um, especially when um, Pogba yeah. wants to play, they can play, they, the team can put on a very impressive performance. But I still think, you know, largely the results are hit and miss. And I, I still don't have complete confidence in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's The winner came in the 118th minute. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate for Norwich. But um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure if I've got complete faith in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer either. Obviously, when he first came in, they had the great run of results, uh, winning a lot. Pogba looked a lot happier. He was playing well. But then can he be, can Solskjaer be trusted to be the man to take uh, United back to the heights that they're used to? I'm not sure. I mean, I, 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 I definitely think that Solskjaer is very yeah. much a yes man. And I, defi- I definitely, I look at him and then I look at someone like Klopp or Guardiola, you know, you know that where they've got the confidence to go into the dress room and tell everyone to sit down and shut up and listen, etc. Yeah. We're going to do this, this, that, and the other. I can't see, I can't imagine Solskjaer replicating that sort yeah. of presence with his team. I agree with that. I agree. Um, and on Sunday, we had three FA Cup fixtures Arsenal stealing a win against Sheffield United after Sheffield United equalized in the 87th yes. minute. Uh, Danny Ceballos scored the winner in the 91st. Um, we also had Chelsea beating Leicester 1-0 away and City dominating the game against Newcastle only winning 2-0 but having 70% plus possession which shows the kind of team that they are oh, I mean I, I, I certainly think as I, as I mentioned you know when it, and it went to show with the Chelsea game their heart wasn't in that game but yeah. I think their heart was in this game a lot more because I certainly think because he won the Carabao Cup back in January and I think I definitely think the clock um well, Guardiola is is going to be looking to win yeah. the FA Cup and I think he will be heading towards you know getting some good results in the Champions League. I mean they've got Real Madrid next. Yeah. So who the, knows what's going to happen with that? The treble is technically still on for uh Manchester City after after winning the oh, after winning sure. the Carabao for Cup sure. could win the FA Cup and the Champions League. Um but um yeah, they dominated Newcastle. Uh yeah. Oh, and also sure. that day we had one Premier League fixture, which was Southampton uh, winning three-one away at Watford. Uh, nice. Danny Ings has been one of the success stories this season, reaching twenty goals in all competitions, I believe. Uh, it's great for him after like mm-hmm. um, f- uh, not having the best of times at Liverpool, but um, he's succeeding at Southampton now, which is good to see. But. Um, mm-hmm. You know, oh, quite, quite, and, and it was sort of the same situation really yeah. with Salah at Chelsea, where you know Salah didn't quite prosper at Chelsea, and and I can remember a few years back as well with Daniel Sturridge and spent a long mm. season at Bolton, Bolton Wanderers, and essentially you know lit yeah. fires for them, and he and he couldn't yeah. quite deliver um, at Chelsea. Talk about Watford as well, who were beaten by Southampton. They are a point off the relegation zone, 
um, with the teams, the teams, uh, two of the teams below them, uh, West directly below them, West Ham and uh, Bournemouth have a game in hand. Uh, they're both on twenty-seven points. Watford on twenty-eight. Watford could be going down. The battle to avoid relegation is quite close at the moment. Oh, oh, it certainly is, and I would, I would surely say that you know, sixteen to twenty, you know, Watford, West Ham, Bournemouth, Villa, and Norwich. All five of those teams are, mm. you know, really, you know, it's 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 everything yeah. is up to play for. All the points are up for grabs. And Brighton down are down there again, but. As we saw last year, you know, they just they just fluked staying up against Cardiff City, yeah. um, but because because that was largely the type of the um, relegation race last year. But I I think between those five teams, it's definitely all to play for. For the main segment of the episode, we're going to be doing a Premier League themed "One Has to Go," which is where we're going to be presented with four different players and get rid of the one that we rate the least. Um, I've stolen this idea completely from at Scout UK on Twitter where they've got a thread of uh, thread of all these different players which is the thread that I'm using for this um, it's quite difficult mm-hmm. you ready Liam? <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. start off sure. with uh, round number one uh, the four uh, the four players are four young talents from the top top six clubs we've got uh, Mason Greenwood Callum hudson and uh Gabriel Martinelli and Phil Foden that's a tough one, which a lot of them are. <laughs> I if you, I can see you're thinking hard about that, so I'll I will go in. I'll go in with Callum Hudson Odoi is the one that I that I think has to go, which is a bit sad because he is a, a good player. He's a really good player, but I don't as of where they are now. I think he's the one that's showing. Adding, adding, he's the one that's adding the least to the team. I don't, but then. It... But I, but I, I still think it's it's. He's another example, you know, with what Lampard is trying to do of you know introducing a lot of young talent yeah. into that Chelsea squad. And I, oh, God, it's hard. I mean, I, I probably wouldn't rule him out because I, I think he, you know, he is part of that squad, and I think you know he's he's got a lot yeah. of growing room. You know, to still come into his he own. He does, but then, then again, Foden Foden's been described have. as one of the most talented players that Guardiola's ever worked with, and that's that's Pep Guardiola saying that he's managed some of the best clubs in the world, some of the best teams ever. That is that is um, that is very impressive, and not only he's going to stick around. I think it's many years It's tough because I think Martinelli is safe. Martinelli should be starting for Arsenal regularly at the moment. I think. Um, mm. and then, <laughs> Yeah, because I I don't I think Aubameyang hasn't necessarily had no he's, he's a great he's, season. He's, but... uh, to be fair, uh, Aubameyang has saved Arsenal a lot of times this season. He's won them points almost single single handedly. Lacazette hasn't really has Lacazette's been particularly disappointing. Oh, but, um, no. yeah, but yeah, I I go with Hudson Odoi, but it, it's close. Greenwood could be considered, but he is also starting regularly for United at the moment. Well, not regularly, semi-regularly for United at the moment. He's getting a lot of game time. But mm-hmm. I think right now, Hudson Odoi is the one that I'd have to let go. But they are all very talented players. Who have you got for that one? Oh. I mean, I wouldn't get rid of Hudson Odoi. I certainly wouldn't get rid of Foden. I, I definitely wouldn't get rid of Martinelli either because, as you said, you know we've already already done for Arsenal. So you're going for Greenwood. Arsenal. I would I would potentially go for Greenwood. I I just think with a Gallo, 
I just I because I think of how yeah, good a Gallo is a Gallo, being for is a Gallo that reliable. I know he's been good, but he's 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 not <sighs> particularly reliable. Greenwood is not that Greenwood is either. He's young and needs to give be given time to develop, but he needs time to come to his own. But but there but the, you know but it's at this tough. This is it is it is tough because I suppose you know Phil Foden you you sort of you know have to have to keep him because I think they will you know eventually come at a time where you know Aguero's ability will yeah. start wailing and his future at the club will be questionable. I I I personally. I personally wouldn't get rid of Hudson Odoi because I, I certainly think you know, as a, as a forward with what Lampard has done this year with Chelsea, and I, I think as I keep saying, there's a lot of room yeah. for him to grow, as with, as there is with all four of them. This this is why it's so difficult. If I if I had okay. to pick one, though, I would say Greenwood purely okay, because I favour Gallo over. Uh, we've next uh, the next round we've got. This is a tough one as well. Uh, we've got Riyad Mahrez. Sadio Mane, Hyung Min Son, and Marcus Rashford. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a really bad. That's oh a really bad no! Um, I think. Oh, it's going to be really harsh to whatever player you leave out here. I think Mane is safe. He's the best at Mane's. Oh, Mane is yeah. Mane is definitely safe because I I certainly think with Salah, you know, he's won the FIFA Club World Cup, the Super Cup, the Champions League, and the Premier League. And I certainly think this is a very hungry Liverpool side that will want yeah. to win many, many more titles to come. But I think particularly with Salah, I think it will probably come to a point with Salah where he he will sort of think, and rightly so, you know, what else is there for me to do with this club? I've achieved everything. You know, I'd quite like to go and play somewhere else, maybe in a warmer yeah. climate in Spain. And I think Mane... I think Mane generally, in in regards to the wingers at Liverpool, Mane is much yeah, more reliable Salah has, than Salah, Salah is. A, uh, occasional off game, but Mane is always going to cause defense problems. And Salah yeah. is ball greedy as well. Salah is Mane has a temper. Yeah, but Mane has a temper when he can't get his way on the ball. But Mane, I, so I, I think Mane is. Yeah, Ma- last year, the year year twenty nineteen, uh, Mane had an argument for being arguably the best player in the world. He was incredible the whole calendar year. So Mane is safe mm-hmm. there. Um, Son and Mara is obviously more I guess you could say more proven than Rashford considering Rashford is only 22 uh, Maris and Son have both had successful careers and I don't want I think the one who would I'd have to leave out is Marcus Rashford but that's really harsh on Rashford because he is so good in the future like yeah but he is future, fantastic and I assume so he... in the future he could be better than both uh, Maris and Son and potentially even Mane, but as of right now, I think Mahrez and Son are both world-class wingers, and I'd take them ahead of Rashford. Do you do you maybe think that Rashford needs to go to another club to have that room to grow, that maybe Mahrez and Son already are having yeah, with Spurs and City? Well, because Son's already, like, in the years that he's been at Tottenham, he's carved out a niche for him at Tottenham, like the kind of winger that they want. And he's when Kane isn't firing, they could usually rely on Hugh Midson. Myers as well, he bided mm-hmm. his time at Leicester City, eventually got the move that he wanted to Manchester City. Um, and he's shown that he can be a, he is a world-class player there. Rashford is, I don't feel like he needs to leave United. He's already a bit of like, he's already like Manchester's uh, poster boy at the moment. Like he's the golden child. I feel mm-hmm. like, and as and as and as you know, in, in terms of his 
you know, non-player yeah, he's, quality. He's a great he's human a being. Fantastic all right um, person. This is why this is why <laughs> exactly, I feel so guilty exactly. picking him. Um, so yeah, you picking Rashford as well in that in that situation. I I I can't pick Mane. I can't pick Son because I think Son is an instrumental yeah. player at Spurs. It's 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 so it's it's very very closely between Rashford and Mares. I'm 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 saying very Rashford. very very closely close. between them. And I do you know what? Because I for the sole fact you know I I picked the United player in the last round. Oh, I'm gonna go with Mares. Controversial. I'm gonna say Mares because I I think controversy indeed, but I I definitely think that Rashford is okay. a fantastic player. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player and. I, I think, I still think there's a lot of room for him to yeah. show his potential, potential and develop it if he was If he wanted a team to win now, if you're just having one season to win, you'd, you'd pick Rashford ahead of Mahrez to produce most of the time. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, oh, that's no. where it gets so difficult. Right. That's you, where said, gets you said Mahrez, now we'll leave it at that. <laughs> okay, I'll go with Mahrez. Uh, I'll go round, with Mahrez. Um, we've got some more wing players. Daniel James, uh, Alan St. Maximum, Wilfred Zaha, and Adama Traore. I'm going to hit that fairly difficult. But this one, it's a bit weird. I'm gonna, I'd say I'd leave Daniel James, despite being the only player in the top six there. Well, traditional top six. Um, mm-hmm. Wilfred Zaha uh, has proven time and time again that he's a very good player. He seems loads Palace at the moment. He's signed new contracts over and over again at Palace, which is, some people say it's a lack of ambition. I see it more as a show of loyalty, but fair play to him there. I mean, I, I was I was, I was, was there last year when in the Premier League when Cardiff City played Crystal Palace and it was the end of the season and they desperately needed to beat Crystal Palace to have any any chance of staying up. And it was the game that relegated them, and they lost three two to Palace. And Zaha ran yeah. circles around Cardiff's defence. He was unbelievable. He's, he's a great player. He was unlucky to never succeed at United. He's arguably, no, I I know, but 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 like we were discussing before, I think when when those players are competing with other players of that caliber at, at yeah. those huge clubs when they step away and they go to the smaller clubs and they have more of a yeah. chance to shine and develop. And I think that I feel like he could have been a success at a top six club, but he went to United too early in his career. Yeah. Oh, he, he didn't, he didn't, maybe if he had, maybe if he had started at Palace and he had had the success he's had at Palace and then... The thing is, he was at Palace before and had a, he was, still, he was, United signed him from Palace, but he wasn't playing at he was yeah he was but oh. he wasn't he wasn't oh, yeah, he wasn't yeah, playing yeah, at the le- yeah, quite at right. the level that he has shown now like but um he wasn't he never really he was he wasn't the finished article when he went to United um if he'd stayed at Palace for no no probably a couple more seasons and then gone to United maybe maybe he'd maybe if he had stayed and and if Palace had given him more of a chance yeah given him that good room rather yeah. than. Pulling him off to um, um, United. Adama Traore has proved a lot of his doubters wrong this season. Uh, he's a oh, Traore's a tank. Um, oh, my Alan God. Alan Maximum is one of, one of the more flashy players in the league. He's exciting oh. to watch. Doesn't have the the best end product, but he a bit more than Daniel James, who is relied on a lot for his pace, who doesn't quite have <laughs> the end product of the other three. Um, but it is, again, James, Daniel James is promising young player 
could develop, but I'd I'm letting go Daniel James out of those four. He's he's he reminds me I I think as you as you mentioned though where he where he has the pace but he lacks the other qualities he reminds me a lot with Sterling at yeah. at, um, at Liverpool before he went to Man City where Sterling without question had the pace my God he had the pace and but he he, he couldn't put his foot behind the ball yeah. and put it in the net in fact you know he put <laughs> it in the cop um, and and when he when he went to City, he you know he he found that ability to actually run <laughs> and shoot, and may, and maybe it would be fair to argue that James yeah. is in a similar position where he's he's yet to finesse that ability mm. of goal. For a lot of these like pacey wingers, end product is the issue, and I think that is a particular case of Daniel James, mm. who's I feel like his pace alone is getting him in the United team at the moment, but um, I think he he I. He, like letting him go out of those three arguably more proven wingers isn't isn't really a knock on him because he's got a lot of time to develop as as well. No, so, oh no. Yeah. And I, I, I would I would probably say pace just just one final thing, this pace is definitely like a double edged sword with players because you can arguably have too much pace and outrun yourself in games, or you can have too little, or you can have a good balance, or if you've got too much pace and you lack, you know, yeah. um skill, vision, um Short accuracy, etc. You know, either outside of pace, if there's very little you can contribute, yeah. then so uh, you're are you saying you Daniel James out of, and... out of them as well? Okay, I w- I'll say Daniel James for that. Um, yeah. Next one we've got is uh, uh, some very good goalkeepers. We've got David de Gea, Bernd Leno, Allison, and Edison. Um, so I in- instantly think both Allison and Edison are safe. They're the top two goalkeepers in the league. Um, so yes, I think absolutely. To go, it's between De Gea and Leno, and it's a kind of if you someone was telling someone two years ago that De Gea is arguably the fourth best goalkeeper in the league, they'd tell you you're stupid, because De Gea was one of the best players in the league, not just the best goalkeepers, one of the best players in the league, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world a couple of years, a couple of seasons ago, but his decline since then mm-hmm. has been a steep one, and Bernd Leno isn't a isn't quite at the heights of Alisson Edison, but he's a reliable goalkeeper. He's something that Arsenal needed. So it's... it's it... I, I, I still think, though, that... I mean, that, I suppose, there's different ways that you can look at that because, you know, arguably, you know, Arsenal haven't had a lot of success and they've let too many goals in this season. But is that down to the goalkeeper alone or is it down to the team yeah. in front of him as well? And I, I, I certainly think, as you've mentioned, you know, we're now in a situation where De Gea is, you know, easily not not the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, and he has started to decline. And I think his his I think his ability is wailing. And I, it's tough because I don't want to say that. I, I, I think he probably, probably maybe it's about time to yeah. go somewhere else. I, I don't want to. I don't. It feels disrespectful to say that De Gea is the fourth best goalkeeper in the league but I think that might be the case at the moment whether it, it's definitely close between um, him and Len, um, Leno and De Gea but I I I would probably lean more towards De Gea for the sole fact that um, for the sole fact that you know De Gea is, is on yeah. decline and I, I mean, Bernard Leno at the minute is um, Germany's number 12 goalkeeper. <laughs> he's he's the 12th goalkeeper for Germany. Well, with all the when you've got, you know, when you've had the likes of Neuer, you know, it's it's, it's hard to fill those boots, but... I think I think it is. It's not 
it's fair to say De Gea at this point. I think it's fair. There are there are massive issues within Arsenal mm. and within that team, and I I don't think Leno is exempt yeah, from I don't, criticism. I... Same way Lacazette and Chaka are, but as I said, I I think that's more about the congruent attitude yeah. of the team. Yeah, as opposed Leno, to Leno the isn't exempt from criticism, but how many of Arsenal's issues can you put down to him? Not not many. It's like. Oh no! It it, it comes it comes to a point where you know may, maybe for example, and I'll I'll use the nth degree example of Carrius, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I would I would definitely say that I would definitely say it comes to a point where you've got to look beyond the keeper and you've got to think, hang on a minute, there's there's other issues at stake here, and I think even even though we've in the in the past rounds, you know, we we've, we've had to eliminate United players. We, that's that's been more because of just overall compared to the others, and even though they're not, not probably the weakest, I think with with De Gea, right, I certainly think he's probably the weakest out of these four, but not just the weakest. I certainly think it won't be long yeah. before he probably goes somewhere uh, we'll go else. On to the next round, we've got some elite strikers, and I'll throw one more name into the mix mm-hmm. who isn't out of these four. So we'll have five for this round. We've got Jamie Vardy. Sergio mm-hmm. Aguero, Harry Kane, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and the name that I'm going to put in there is Roberto Firmino. Just to, just to complicate matters a bit more. Okay. You know. um, but well, I'm I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out and say what I what I to be honest. Out of those five, for me, it's easy. I'm You're say getting rid of Harry Kane. Without question. <sighs> yes, without question. Because I and this is that this is, is going no, to sorry, hurt you. Is I know terrible. because you're a Spurs fan. But I I unfortunately. I unfortunately cannot change my belief that Harry Kane, in my opinion, is massively overrated. I think in the World Cup in 2018, his performance was massively overrated. And I think... as (laughs) Um, This this has deeply upset (laughs) me. trying so hard not to cry right now. And I, I think, like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to go through it with all respect. I mean, he's, he's an old player, but Jamie Vardy... So you're, taking, you're taking Jamie Vardy ahead of Harry Kane. Yeah, so do I. I love Jamie Vardy. He's, I he's love Jamie Vardy. He's not even in the same category as Harry Kane. Harry Kane, I, 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 I respect I, I, the argument that Kane's World Cup performance is overrated because he had, he had, like... He had like what three penalties and a couple and, and some tap-ins, like and a deflected goal. He won the golden boot, but like fair, he won the golden boot. That's fair enough, but it, it was it was a pretty. He, did, he didn't win it in the best way. And then uh, in the semi-final and the quarter-final, essentially dropped into midfield, was playing there for a bit. But Harry Kane has got two Premier League golden boots, carried Tottenham, not essentially carried Tottenham, but been integral to Tottenham's um, improvement over the last few years. He's he's gonna give you. He scored uh, in his breakout season. He scored twenty-one goals, then he scored scored uh, like twenty-seven the season after, and thirty the season after. And it's just, uh, I can't believe you're saying. Are you not? To... But is that is that is that down to just him as a good player or him as lucky? It's not because he he, right he, he right can time. create a chance out of anything. He can score from all over the pitch. He's not like he's. A, I said mentioned uh, mentioned a couple of weeks ago that he's a bit of an old-fashioned striker. He's not like he's not. Um, if you, I use Aguero as the example of the perfect modern striker. Harry Kane isn't like that, but um, he does everything you want and more from a striker. I, I, he's, he's I a mean, great, he's a great captain as well for for England. He spurs his vice captain. He's one, genuinely one of the best passers, regardless of position, in the league. His passing ability is great, and I can't. 
it's, in fairness, I will I will agree with you on that. His but, passing so I is couldn't, passing I, I, because I feel fantastic. like I press. I know you call me biased for this, but I think Kane's the best striker out of all of them. It's close between him, him and Aguero, and I feel like Aguero is the really? one striker that can be compared. Him and Aguero are a class apart for me from everyone. I, if someone's saying Aguero is better than Kane, that's that's I'm fine with that because Aguero is one of the best strikers of all time and he deserves it. Um, but I don't think Firmino, uh, Vardy, and Aubameyang are are close to those two. I don't. I don't think. I don't think you I, can justify taking Jamie Vardy over Harry Kane. But um, even though Vardy is good, I I suppose I suppose it. I mean, right. Let, let's 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 go to the other inspection. Let's look. You know, Ob- Aubameyang. You know, as you said. You know, where, where Lacazette has failed, Aubameyang has been instrumental in scoring a lot of goals for Arsenal and keeping them out of the the crapper. You know, in a, yeah. in a lot of instances. I think. I think Firmino with a. With a lot of things uh, people don't realise about Firmino is it's the little things that he does that go yeah. unnoticed on the pitch. The little passes that he makes, the little through balls, etc. And he does a lot behind the scenes for the team. And I, I think as a striker, he plays a very good engine in supporting Mane and Salah in the wider midfield. I think... I think... I, I, as I would agree with you, you know, Aguero is just... Is just brilliant. Aguero is just brilliant. I I can't fault Aguero yeah. at all. And I and I to be honest, I think anyone who can who's you know going to pick holes and says Aguero is crap, you don't know anything about football. To be honest, I mean you know Aguero what he's, what he's, what he's achieved with City and what he's achieved one of, as a player is remarkable. But um, I don't think I I've Aguero and Kane are absolutely safe for me. I think Aubameyang is too, considering he's been very good for Arsenal uh, both this season and the last. It's between Vardy and Firmino for me. I I can't. Uh, I don't know because I I'd, I'd probably. It will be between it will be between really? Vardy and Kane for me. So we we shit we we shit purely because and I know <laughs> I'm biased. I know I'm biased. You know, and that, and that I would probably say Firmino is safe. I would probably say Aubameyang is safe because where's Lacazette's failed yeah. his Arsenal silver lining. Aguero without 100% is safe. Vardy, you, because you make the argument of Kane and what he's done for Tottenham and how yeah. influential he's been, but especially with the ti- with the title success that Leicester, the, the remarkable wonder season that Leicester had, you know, you could argue that um, Vardy has been instru- heavily instrumental in that scene. And I, I have a lot of respect for Vardy as well in that even though he's an older player, he is certainly a class act, and I think he could have very easily gone somewhere yeah. else. And when Leicester found him, he was, you know, semi-professional, and you know, Leicester gave him the opportunity, and the club transformed his life. And I think he's so indebted to Leicester, and so grateful for the opportunities that he'd given them, and, he, That's and why the he's success that he's had with them. That I don't think that I don't exactly that I don't think he would ever want to go somewhere else. So. I respect him a lot mm. from that. But point if you, if you, well. I'll ask you, would you, if you want someone to give you a performance in a game, if for a striker as well, I know Firmino is not particularly a goal scoring striker, that, but um, out of, if we ignore Aguero, if you want, you're going to pick uh, a Babiang and Firmino ahead of Harry Kane and potentially Jamie Vardy as well. We're talking about who would you, who would you leave? It's not based on, particularly on like, potential or anything like that especially with these like older players but if you want if you want a performance i'm taking harry kane ahead of everyone the 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 other thing as well i think is it's it doesn't with especially with a striker and with a point man it doesn't just come down to the player it comes down to the players that they play around and i think with firmino 
he is part of arguably that's one of the, the thing best I think Firmino benefits from playing in Liverpool's system which is which is if you put if you put Firmino by himself because he's got no pace whatsoever he's got no pace whatsoever if you put Firmino by himself I think he he'll would. be a very different player but he's got Mane and Salah you know two speed demons either side of him he can make fantastic passes he would as you said he works really struggle, well in that whereas squad Kane who hasn't had who does need a creative player behind him to have to play at top level like so when when Ericsson was in his prime at Tottenham they were like with Deli Ali making runs to distract defenders son as well and Ericsson behind playing through balls for Kane it was that's what that's what we needed Eric but and Kane was playing at his at his best probably Ericsson's decline co- coincided with Kane's uh few injuries for Kane as well and he hasn't been the same exactly since but he's playing in the Spurs team which isn't which is good, not exactly world class, but you can see when Harry Kane is, Harry Kane's always been the focal point. Every single attack goes through him, which is why led some people uh, to call him Spurs one man team. Pep Guardiola famously referred to us as the Harry Kane team. Um, and... I I I think I think you know I I think a lot of the attention that Harry Kane gets, I think. I think Son is. I, Son is. Son, I think Son well. is a world class player. I don't think he's on the same level that Kane is. Like Kane is our best player. People do tend to say there's arguments from rival fans saying Spurs are better without Kane just because statistically we've got a good runs without him. It's rare that you'll see Kane and Son playing at their best when they're playing in the same team. But as someone who watches Spurs regularly, every single attack does go through Harry Kane. He's involved in some way. Um, but as for who I'm going to leave here, I had no disrespect to him, but it's going to be JB Vardy. But just because he is, oh, it is tough. It is Jamie, just because the other the other four are all world class players as well. I'm not sure if I'd call Jamie Vardy world class in 2020. Well, I would. I would. So in in that respect, I think. In that respect, for me, it's between Kane and Vardy. But I, as you said, I think, I think Kane, you know, has, you know, is has a lot more of an instrumental role within Tottenham. And I, but I certainly think, even though maybe his best seasons were behind him, I certainly think Vardy's best seasons are behind him as well. And I think Vardy is significantly older. I think Kane has got a lot more, uh, many more years ahead of him with England. Um, so I would probably, it's tough. But I would probably, probably. Okay. Call I don't Vardy. think it is tough. If I, 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 mean, I think Kane Street streets ahead of Vardy. I for me, you know, and of But <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, the next round involves right backs. We've got Ricardo Pereira of Leicester. We've got Juan Basaka from United, Reese James from Chelsea, and Trent Alexander Arnold from Liverpool. Um, this one's quite tough. Uh, Trent is obviously safe here, best right back in the league. Mm-hmm. I think Wan Bissaka is safe. Well, yeah, he's not on the same level as Trent Alexander Arnold. Um, per- personally, even though I guess it is a point of debate for some people, they both like Trent is um, a genius on the offensive ends, like going forward. Whereas Wan Bissaka is a genius defensively. He's makes so many tackles and is crucial back there. And they're like opposite ends of mm-hmm. the spectrum, but they both do what they're required to do very well. I think I'm going to have to get rid of Reese James here. Um, Ricardo Pereira is a very good right back for Leicester. And Reese James is, he's hes good. He's played well this season. But I don't think I'd take him ahead of the other three. He's, he's got 
the potential aspect on his side. But I don't think I'm taking him ahead of the other three right backs. I mean, I like I would certainly agree with you. I, I think you know you're probably if you're going to rank that four, you you put Alexander at the top, you put Wambasaka behind him. Um, I I think I would uh, I, I I definitely think with Pereira, I think Pereira is a massive strength for Leicester. Um, but yeah, I I would probably that was that was probably you know not as close as the last one. I would I would probably say Reese James. Yeah, okay. Probably so say we've agreed James on that one. as well. Um, go to round number 10 <laughs> excuse me uh, round number 10 which is a bit of a uh, a bit of a, t- a joke round we've got uh, <laughs> Dejan Lovren Phil Jones I think it's Otamendi and David Luiz <laughs> oh, um, oh no that's terrible oh, um, that's... I think that's... yeah who that's is, who is who, the worst who has to... that's who has to stay <laughs> yeah that's who has to stay um in terms of getting, I'm trying to think who has the most redeeming features out of all of them. Like who could save themselves? Uh, Otamendi's declined. He's not really where he was, but I feel like he is semi-reliable for City. But like when you when he's called on, but um, so he's he's not the, the 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 what concerns me about Man City. What definitely concerns me about Man City is. You know, Liverpool have got the staple of Van Dijk at the back. I think Man City last season losing their defensive yeah. end L- in the company, and they haven't found a player to. Yeah, Laporte is good, but he's still he's got, still time, got he's a, to I, think, grow, I think personally, I think Laporte's the best second best defender after uh, centre back, second best centre back after Van Dijk in the league. There is a gap between the two, but I feel like Laporte is reliable enough. And and like I, I think you know now now the company's gone. I think Laporte has got time to step up and grow into his own yes. as a defensive end um, in the city. I think uh, it's tough. I think <sighs> Phil Jones hasn't really been getting much game time. I don't believe for United recently. Um, well, I I think to be honest, it's quite easy for me, and I would say love Would really? I would because. You know, I, I think, you know, because he speaks, you know, he speaks, he's multilingual and I think Klopp likes having him around. In the <laughs> he's team, he's Klopp's mate, so he I stays think... in the team. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just, I don't know, I just, and I, I feel bad because I, fat, bad for him because I'm pretty sure he had something going on with his personal wife where his, his wife sort of left him for somewhere else or something. But as a, as a player, I think... I mean, there were larger issues at stake. I, you know, Liverpool were too focused on the title success when they got beat three yeah. 0 by Watford. But Lovren started that game. Um, Lovren, Lovren, um, Ferguson played against Everton, and I just, I just don't think he is. No, I don't. I don't think. I don't think he's reliable. I don't think, but I don't, but it's, I'm not sure if he's as bad as David Luiz or Otto, Otto, or not automatically Phil Jones. I, I certainly think that they've all got it's it's all of them are like a double edged sword because they've all got different reasons of why they are so bad. <laughs> but like I think David Louise David Louise, you know, has had some brilliant successes with yeah, uh, he, with the Brazilian he, national he was, team and he was a fantastic player for Yeah, he was had two different Chelsea. spells at Chelsea where he was good. He was good in uh, particularly his second spell when he came back from PSG. He played very well there and then made the move to Arsenal. Seems a different player, and every single game you think there's going to be a mistake coming from him. So I think I'm going to have to let David Luiz go out. Though all of them, he just he just doesn't want to. 
he just doesn't want. I, 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 I would. To be fair, I can, I can agree with that because I certainly think it's massively close between Lauren and okay. Louise. But I think Louise, whereas maybe Lauren just maybe naturally isn't good. <laughs> that's, that's so I harsh. think with that's David so Louise, harsh. just just naturally isn't good I at just, football. Well, I, <laughs> nothing else. Well, I, I just, I, I think he's he is mass. You know, with all respect, if you look. If you look at the other players within that Liverpool team, and then you put Lovren in that team, he's just not uh, yeah. of the same caliber. He's an outlier. Not the same caliber. And I, I think, I think with Louise, I think the massive issue was even though you know, even though he was rebelling and he was trading away from the Chelsea players and was adamant on going to Arsenal, I don't even think he wants to be at Arsenal. I don't think his heart really is in the game at all, and I don't think he puts much effort into his play. So, yeah. so yeah, I would, you know, I would probably say as the least terrible. Well, not the well, no, terrible. not the least terrible, but as probably, probably most, most terrible. Yeah, most terrible. I would probably say. Hmm. I think Phil Jones has got off yeah. lightly there, like <laughs> because he is, he isn't like he's he... playing for Man United still at this point is lucky, but we'll 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 go with David Luiz. <laughs> Um, we'll do one final one between the three um, mm-hmm. promising central midfielders. We've got uh, Fred of Man United, Ruben Loftus-Cheek from Chelsea, Ruben Neves from Wolves, and Tungian Dombele from Tottenham. I think that Ruben Loftus-Cheek is quite overrated. Um, he hasn't hit the heights expected of him Uh that were that Chelsea fans expected of him, but I think that's fair, and I, and I can recall um, in his performance for England in the 2018 World Cup, I don't think he was perhaps again maybe at the standard. I think lost his yeah. cheapest fit um, into the running. As for Fred, he's been probably out of those four. He's had the best season. He's um, proved his doubt is wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't have the best first season at United, but he's done well so far. Um, Tongi and Dombele, uh, Spurs is record sign uh, I think Spurs record sign 63 million paid for Tungi and Dombele um, he's obviously has a lot of problems with fitness there's been rumours of him falling out of Jose Mourinho um, yes I've just I've just, I've just um, I just have a little bit of luck now um, Jose Mourinho I am moved from Marseille midfielder yeah. to replace them I, I think Tungi and Dombele him, so. could genuinely be one of the best midfielders in the world if he was given the time to develop uh and providing he works on his fitness as well. Because under Pochettino, he was starting regularly, couldn't always play 90 minutes. Mm. But mm-hmm. when he comes on, he's changed the game. He is immensely talented. Similar to Paul Pogba's situation, he, he has, but Ndombele's been there less time. Um, he has a big price tag to justify as well. And he's one of like Spurs' biggest mm-hmm. hopes for the future. I, I certainly think. I certainly think it's like I talked about, you know, right at the start of this podcast where I said it's between, you know, almost the three tiers. If you take the hierarchy of the club, the manager and the players, there's going to be a nice fluid link between all of them. And I and I worry that under Mourinho, I don't think, I don't think because there's that, I think there's a, um, a, um, a, a certain dynamic between Mourinho and Ndombele that isn't necessarily productive. I don't think, that that is giving him the chances that he had in yeah. the Pochettino. So I think maybe, maybe Ndombele would, would benefit I'd from going somewhere else. Did, and I think he would come up. I, I, would, I would certainly hate that, but this is, 
this is the problem. This is this is the problem. Unfortunately, he has he's he is talented, and I think there's a lot of potential for him to do well in that Spurs team, um, and work with the players in that team. But I just think under Mourinho, and you know, Mourinho is very set in his ways. He's very yeah. he's a very stubborn manager, and I think he's 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 a, he's a, a fickle people like that. You know, I think it's a case of that. You either get on with them or you don't. There's no, there's no, you know, getting, you know, just going on with it. There's, there's a case of you, they like you or they don't. And I think Marino is very straight to the point with that. And I think if that, if that sort of friction has been set by Mourinho, I yeah. think it's there to stay. That's, unfortunately, it would be. I, as a Spurs fan, I think it'd be a massive mistake to let Ndombele go, considering how talented he is. But and especially considering exactly, he was there I think he needs time and he needs to work on his fitness. He's got. A way to go if he is to succeed at Tottenham or to succeed at any kind of oh, high for level. Sure. But I think I wouldn't get rid of him out of these four. Um, as for Ruben Neves, he's impressed at Wolves for a number of seasons now. hasn't been hasn't had the best of Premier League seasons uh, uh, this season or last, but he's he's he has been impressive. He's some people call him a long shot merchant. I don't know <laughs> don't know if that's true. He's he's one of the best long range shooters probably in the league, but. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm gonna get rid of Ruben Loftus Cheek here. I would I would say that's fair. I would agree with that. I agree with Loftus Loftus. Finally, we're gonna do on target or off target. Uh, this is a segment of the show where we get unpopular opinions from the guest and the listeners, and provide an unpopular opinion or a hot take for us to talk about and debate and decide whether it's on target as in correct or off target as in miles off um liam's brought one today what have you got for us i personally think that generally across the board i think henderson needs to have a lot more credit than he's given i still think he's quite Mm, underrated that's that's fairly controversial because i've seen jordan henderson getting a lot of plaudits this season um not just as a player but as a captain He's become Liverpool's leader. I, 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 oh, I, I, I certainly think you know from from a lot of perspectives, you know, especially from Liverpool fans, he's he's had praise heaped onto him. But I, I still think there there are a large amount of people out there who you know when when they're talking, you know, the likes of you know the greats of like you know Gerrard and Scholes, etc. I think Henderson needs to be in those sorts of discussions as well because because Gerrard. If you think, yes, you know, Gerard won the Champions League with Liverpool and Gerard is a fantastic player. You know, he was a fantastic goal scorer. But, I, you know, I think in this squad, you know, with Klopp and with the chance that he's had to grow and not to mention everything that he's achieved yeah. with Liverpool, I certainly think Henderson really um, has come into his own and really has grown I, I as a player. I agree that in terms of being a Liverpool legend... And I guess to an extent a Premier League legend, but definitely more so as a Liverpool legend, he deserves to be in the same category as Gerrard. Um, as a player, I don't think he's realistically near the likes of Gerrard or Scholes. But he is not to say that he's not good because he, for the past couple of years, he had a fairly unfair, he had an unfair reputation as an average midfielder who only passes sideways, which is not the case at all. Mm-hmm. But um, he's, I don't think he, as in, ter- in terms of playing ability, I don't think he's. <laughs> near Gerard's level, but in terms of being a leader and being, I definitely think as a leader, and I, I certainly think you can tell. You know, 
with Klopp and with every single player on that pitch, there is a hell of a yeah. lot of strong chemistry. There's a hell of a lot of strong chemistry and Henderson really has rallied that team together. And you can see yeah. they're like family. And I think a big part of that, a big contribution to that is yeah. Henderson's I think leadership. He'll go down, despite him not probably... I don't think he'll ever reach the point in his career where everywhere there's a consensus that he's world class, but he'll still go down as one of Liverpool's all-time greats. Oh, definitely, definitely, uh, and I, I certainly think you know he, he's he's cap- captain Liverpool to you know a Champions League, a Super Cup, FIFA Club World Cup, and a Premier League. And even if even if you know a lot of people don't regard the FIFA Club World Cup as that major, it's still a trophy. trophy. You know, it's it's still a valid trophy. It's still a valid trophy. And you know he still captains his team, you know, to to four trophies with within yeah. the space of a year. You know, if you look from June last year to June this year, I I, I agree with you. Then I'll say that is on target. I guess I feel like he's. I feel like he is. I don't think he's overrated particularly um, by anyone at this point. I feel like he's fairly rated. No, I don't yeah, think he's. I, feel like, I don't I feel think like he's, he's overrated, but I I think I feel like he's fairly rated but, by. By most at the moment, which is which is why leading leading me to think that maybe he's not underrated. But I feel like he's maybe not underrated as much as underappreciated because like a lot of because of the big names in the Liverpool side, like obviously Salah, Mane, Van Dijk, Allison, they grab all the headlines. Trying Alexander Arnold as well. Henderson is an integral cog in the Liverpool in Liverpool's machine that he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't mm-hmm. get the credit oh, that he sure, deserves. So sure. I'll, I'll agree with you that I'll say it's. On target. I I would I think that's maybe that's another way to put it as well. Underappreciated yeah. is definitely definitely um, valid. For our next opinion, I've got something from uh, my friend Fraser on Twitter at Fraser underscore thfc. He said he said that Wolves are more of a threat for a Champions League place than Manchester United. Ooh, that that is an interesting one, right? I certainly think that's valid. I certainly think that's a valid um, opinion. What do you I think? think I, I think it's a valid opinion. I'm not a hundred percent sure whether I agree with it. Um, Wolves are above United uh, in the table at the moment, only because they've played an extra game. United have got a game in hand, but Wolves are three points ahead. Um, Wolves are a side that's managed well. They've got a system that works for them with like the three at the back and then the wing backs formation. They've got players like Ruben mm-hmm. Neves, as we mentioned earlier, who's very good for them. Uh, Jimenez and Jota both good Pedro Neto is promising but mm-hmm. calling them more of a threat than United for Champions League I'm not sure if I can fully agree with that um, because United do have so much individual quality in this well, like, let's just say that they're not they haven't particularly gelled as a team yet even though Solskjaer's been there a while now but I can't it's it's hard because I think those two teams are close. Wolves are a team on the come up. They're they're going to be pushing for European spots for the next few years, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I think I I mean I certainly think with Wolves, you know, I think you know if if you look at how they've how they've played against Man City and Liverpool this year, I certainly I certainly think that they are very much held their own very much held their own against them but it, it is i think there are strengths and weaknesses to both teams but i i would probably say it's a valid interpretation to put to put those 
two teams on the same level of, of you know, of, of chance, perhaps, that they yeah. can go on and both achieve Champions League football. I, I think... I think at this point in the league, in terms of points, as you said, you know, Wolves are only ahead because they play the extra game. And I, I think it's still all to play for. And I think mm. it's it's very contestable. But I certainly believe that if Wolves keep playing how they have been playing, um, you know, and how they have played in the past, you know, because they, as we discussed, they've got plenty of strong players on the team. You know, as I said, Rory is just a tank. <laughs> but, but, th- but then again... You know, Manchester United have got some play- fantastic players. You know, Gallo up front, you know, Pogba, when he wants to play, is, is one of the best midfielders in the league. Um, you know, they've got Fernandez, they've got Maguire, Maguire at the back, who whose performance may or may or may not have been, you know, better at Leicester. I think that's, again, you know, as we mentioned, you know, he was still a, he was a, a big fish in a little yeah. pond at Leicester and, and, you know, coming to a club like Manchester United and captain, captaining that club. But, and and De Gea's um, ability is failing, perhaps. But yeah, I don't know who I'm going to give the edge to here. I, I certainly, I I, I'm going to disagree with Fraser slightly and say this is off target, but only just just because of the individual quality that United have in their squad with like Pogba, Fernandez, Maguire, Rashford, Martial to an extent, Juan um, Bissaka. But it's it's very said- very close. It's very, very close, and I would, I would probably, I probably really couldn't give an answer in either direction because I certainly think, as I've said, it, it's still all yes. to play for in the league, um, and it's. I think both teams are worthy of a Champions League place. It's just mm. a massive. I don't know if either more. of them will because Chelsea at the moment sit on fifty-four points, Leicester. Uh, sorry, excuse me, Wolves are on fifty-two, and but again. Chelsea have a game in hand on Wolves at the moment. Um, both of mm-hmm. them are close to being a Champions League team. But again, in terms of the future as well, I, I'm not sure if beyond this season, Wolves are going to be more of a threat to to getting a Champions League place than United are. I think I think as time goes on, I, I certainly think, as we've mentioned, that a lot of, you know, in the one has to go segment we talked about, you know, and then, you know, it was when we were putting, taking out, um, you know, Man United players as the one that had to go. It wasn't more to do with their ability as a player, but it was more to do with, you know, the pool that they were in and that they hadn't had the chance to grow and achieve in some that some of the other players in those categories had. And I think give it time and maybe Ole Gunnar Solskjaer still yeah. has things to prove with um, his um, tenure at United, but I think I think there is strong potential that in the f- next few years that, that that this opinion definitely will be off target and I think Man United yeah. will massively yeah. have the edge over Wolves. Yeah. Purely because of Asian experience. Wolves do have, I guess, Wolves also do have potential on their side, I guess. I guess they've, they've got more... While United could... Imp- they are they're still Manchester United they're always going to have money to spend they're still one of the most attractive mm-hmm. clubs in the world to join but um, in terms of room to grow Wolves have more of that so it's I feel like Wolves aren't going to be like shaken off by the traditional top six moving forward but I, mm-hmm. I'm giving the edge to, to United now so I'm going to say that's off target but yeah that's that's fair enough I would I would probably say it's contested okay. so I would split it down the middle 
I wouldn't necessarily say it's on target or off target. I think, especially in the league, and I, I think what we are certainly going to see, you know, in in the coming weeks, you know, where games are played behind closed doors, is that a lot of these teams without fans in the stadium will have yeah. very different atmospheres. And when it comes down to playing ability alone, we could see a lot of surprising results. So, I think. I think it's too early to say. I yeah. think only time will That's tell with that one. Um, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Subs Bench. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for making it this far. Uh, big thank you, big thank you to Liam for coming on. Well, thank uh, you for having me. Uh, um, well, I've, if you uh, if you like, follow me on my Instagram at Liam Matt Bell. It's um, one M, two uh, T's, and two L's. I'm sure. I'll put, so, it, I'll put it in the description as well. Episode, don't worry, I got you. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you, thank you for listening. Um, if you've got any questions, feedback, or interested in being on the podcast, you can tweet me at Benchpod with Sam on Twitter, or you can email me um, at Benchpod with Sam at gmail dot com. But yeah, thank you for listening, and see you soon. Thank you.